views, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Um, great story at KTAR.com. Uh, Griselda Satino has a story about uh, new new citizens into our country are going to be a huge influence in the vote here in Arizona and possibly in other places in the country, which I will tell you I think is a good thing. And, and a lot of people are saying, well, if you are on the right side of the aisle, which I obviously am, you should be concerned about this. And I don't think that that's the truth. And it might have been my upbringing, might have been, but I think that having new voters is a good thing. Convincing them to your side of the aisle is your job. And I don't think that it's a hard sell if you sell, and I, and I sell is the wrong word, but it's the phrase I'm using. Um, to tell people, to sell people on your ideals, you have to talk about why you believe them. So I want to talk about the topic of immigration because it's been my experience that legal immigrants to this country are in no more favor of illegal immigration than people that were born here. And um, we, but I, and I also will concede at the beginning of this, I would love to see our immigration system revamped. And here's why. Um, I think our country is better with legal immigrants in it. I think we are a better country when new blood comes in, when there are people from around the world that still see us, as Reagan said, as that shining city on the hill, that the American dream is still alive and well throughout the world for people who want to come here and live it. And I also believe that it will be immigrants that save this country because those are the people that have suffered under socialism and communism and oppression and war and and poverty. And they can come to America and in one generation turn that around for their children and their grandchildren. That dream for many parents makes America the greatest country on the planet. We have the immigration problem we have because so many people around the world want to take advantage in a good way, not a bad way, of the American dream. The problem we have right now is that it's being done the wrong way and nothing is being done to stop it. And while while we fight and argue about the people that are coming here as asylum seekers and what we should do with them and whether we should stop this from happening, at the very same time this is happening, the cartels throughout Mexico are being emboldened and enriched by the money from those people they're bringing. They treat so so terribly. They I was going to say they treat them like cattle, but that's a horrible thing to say because I know cattle ranchers. They treat their cattle with respect. They treat these people like cargo. And it is an inhumane, unhuman way to treat people. On top of that, they are also using these people to, as a diversion to get their drugs into the country. This is such a horribly different problem. So what the governor of Texas has done and the governor of Arizona to, to a certain degree, what they have done is they have decided to take volunteers that want to get on buses and go to some of these sanctuary cities where the people on the other side of the political aisle are running those cities. Uh, uh, the mayor in New York has been very outspoken. In his disdain for what Texas is doing. And now Lori Lightfoot, the, the, the mayor of Chicago, is doing the same thing and saying that this is a horrible thing to do. Both cities are declared as sanctuary cities. And the numbers of people that have been bused to those cities from Texas pale in comparison to the number of people that are still coming across the Texas border every single day. So let's start there, that the sharing of this problem is a very minor sharing of what Texas is enduring. And what they are, the message they are trying to send is, first of all, these people want to come to your city. 
Second of all, you've said you're a sanctuary city and you welcome them. So we're just sending them there. But also you're getting a little taste of what happens when a bus shows up on your city street and just drops people off. And now they're your responsibility. And so I, I don't think that it's a bad lesson to be sent. But I want you to hear a response. This is um, Mayor Lori Lightfoot from Chicago talking specifically about the governor of Texas. And the way that we welcome them is not what the governor of Texas is doing. It is absolutely un-American. And I urge him. He professes to be a Christian. This is not the Christianity and the teachings of the Bible that I know. And I think religious leaders all across the country are standing up and denouncing exactly this. Along political lines, they may be. But let me explain and and how this, I think, is is interesting to be very honest. How are immigrants um, into this country? How are the people that are coming here um, uh, seeking asylum and the people that are granted their time to stay here? How are they getting to where they want to go? Are there not buses being chartered by the federal government that have been doing this for years? Um, hasn't the Biden administration been loading busloads of people and shipping them all over the place? Have they not been um, putting them on airplanes? Uh, I will tell you that um, if you haven't heard me say this, every time I talk about this, I think I bring it up because I want people in Phoenix to be aware of this, that six days a week, busloads of people show up at the uh, the 44th Street station of the SkyTrain at Sky Harbor Airport. So it's outside of the airport. It's just south of the uh, Washington and 44th Street station of the light rail. The train is there. The SkyTrain is there that takes you into Sky Harbor Airport. Every day, well, I should say six days a week, not seven days a week, six days a week, buses show up and people are given, are then get on the train and go into Sky Harbor Airport where they try to get plane tickets and fly wherever it is in the country they're trying to fly to. Sometimes they have enough money for plane tickets. Sometimes it's granted to them by nonprofit organizations. But people are doing exactly the same thing, and I don't know what the difference is. What is the difference between chartering a bus when people say, yes, I want to go to Chicago, and chartering a bus and sending them to Chicago, or what the federal government is doing? There is no difference in practice, none whatsoever. It's the political message that these mayors don't like. The message of sharing the wealth in this case, um, sharing what's going on, that's where the issue lies for me. And that if these mayors took a really hard look and said, wait a minute, and if I were the if I were the governor of Texas and the governor of Arizona, I'd be reaching out to these mayors and I would be saying, let's have a conversation now that this is happening. Whether it's behind closed doors or whatever it is, let's have this conversation. Hear us out. We feel that the Biden administration is doing to us and our border towns and towns very far north of the border. The Biden administration is doing to our states what you are accusing us of doing to yours. They are doing to our cities what you are accusing us and saying is wrong and what we're doing to yours. Do you not understand that? Call the president who is in your party. You have more pull with him than we do. And tell them to stop the flow the way it's happening. There's compassion to be had. There's compassion that should be had. But we have got to get a handle on this. And until we get a handle on this, we, we're never going to solve this problem. But to question someone's faith because you disagree with them, I just think you have no other argument. I'll be very honest with you. When you start going down that road, it's a, that, that's like a social media argument that I get into with people all the time. They don't know me. They disagree with my opinion, so they attack you.
You're either dumb or you are um, brainwashed or whatever. And that's and this is that same kind of argument. You call yourself a Christian. Well, yeah, as a matter of fact, I do. I disagree with you on the issue. And I just I, I think it's a weak argument because they have a they have a weak stance. They don't have a leg to stand on. We have to get our arms around this for the sake of everyone involved. And no one in the White House is acknowledging that there's a problem, so they're not going to address it. That's the most frustrating thing of all. Um, coming up in a moment, we're going to segue this. The problem I alluded to, we're going to talk about a huge fentanyl bust here in Arizona. And then we're going to talk about addiction and how some places are trying to solve it. We'll get to that coming up in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. And thanks for being here. We were just talking about the border crisis and the human crisis at the border, and I think it is one. And it's one we're going to continue to talk about over and over and over again. And and the reason why is it directly affects us here, but it's affecting the entire country. Um, A Phoenix man is arrested after 46 pounds of fentanyl pills were seized during a traffic stop. We know that this epidemic... This crisis of this drug is sweeping America. It is killing young people. Um, It is deadly. And a lot of people are overdosing on this drug that don't even know they are. It's laced in something else they're taking. But the two-level approach to this conversation, one has to be how do we stop the flow of it or how do we stem the tide of what's what we're seeing? Drugs have always been a problem in America. When I was young, it was marijuana, and there were bales of marijuana that were brought in through the Gulf of Mexico. Um, you know, I grew up on the Gulf of Mexico. They used to – they had a name for it. It used to be called Square Grouper, uh, and, and that was that's a true story. Um, and the reason why is when the boats would be carrying bales of marijuana and they were being chased by the Coast Guard. They would throw the bales over the side of the boat in an attempt to get away, and then the bales would wash up on shore, and they called it square grouper, and people would actually go get the bales of marijuana, dry it out, whatever. Um, But it went from the 1970s in marijuana to the 1980s in cocaine, and we saw the huge increase in profits and and the increase in violence across the world, including here um, in in Arizona, I'm sure, but in the the southeastern United States in Miami, which was a hub for the influx of drugs. And now what we're seeing is a shift with fentanyl. It's easy to transport. It's deadly. It's easy to conceal. And what they're doing is they're using people as a diversion to open the areas of the border while Border Patrol and CBP, or I'm sorry, I should say CBP and ICE are being, uh, deta- are detaining people and dealing with humanity, human beings. The drugs are coming into the country. One of the ideas that's been floated around about this is having safe injection sites, and it's a safe supply approach. In other words, instead of supplying people with the what they know is a dangerous drug because you don't know who mixed it, you don't know the potency. Same thing with heroin. Happens with heroin all the time where you don't know who makes this stuff. And there, there are people are overdosing um, partially because as you become more and more of an addict, it takes more and more of the drug in order to get you high. But in addition to that, no one's measuring doses. It's not like an FDA approved drug where dosage is measured, potency is measured. 
And so there are people that are, and this is a horrible term, but seasoned drug users. These are people that are used to doing drugs that are overdosing, but also people that have never done it before. It's laced in stuff that they're taking, or they're taking more than what they, what, than what they, or they're taking more than they believe they are in a dose, and they're overdosing. So safe injection sites, or safe places, or safe amounts of drugs. And I will tell you why I'm against this. Um, if you've ever been affected by addiction, um, and it hasn't been me personally, um, and I would admit it if I had had some addiction, uh, uh, but the it's been in my family, and I've seen it ruin people, and I've seen it ruin families. And um, when you are an enabler of an addiction or of an addict, you're not helping them. You are prolonging the inevitable. I don't want to see people die in the streets of fentanyl overdoses or heroin overdose, any overdose. But if we are going to start saying, we know you're going to do this anyway, so we're going to make it safer for you, we are enabling that addict to continue their behavior. And now with a false sense of security that it's not going to kill them. And we all know with addiction, it eventually kills people. It is not even tough love. It's necessary to stop the addiction if it's going to be stopped. I don't care if it's alcohol and someone that gets blackout drunk to the point where it ruins their liver and starts shutting down their organs. Um, It doesn't matter. When we enable an an addict and their addiction, we're not helping them. We have got to find a way to get to people who want to stop and then help them stop. I do believe that addiction is a disease. I I don't see it as just a crime in and of itself. There is crime attached to it. Society doesn't have to face an addict and what they're capable of. Society shouldn't be subjected to that. But at the same time as human beings, we should be doing what's best for people and enabling them through safe injection sites or whatever you want to call the safe dosages. What we are doing is prolonging the addiction. We are enabling that addiction. We're not helping those people. We're keeping them alive for another day possibly, but it certainly isn't helping them to stop. We have a huge addiction problem in this country, and it needs to be addressed in in a lot of different ways. But giving someone more of the drug or a safer dose of the drug that they're on and doing it where it's there, you're just giving them the opportunity to live another day getting high is never going to solve their addiction problem. And uh, that's why I'm against this, that this this course of action. But as a country, we should treat this as a very serious problem. We should be stopping the supply as best we can, and then we should be getting people help where we can. When someone gets in trouble for having these drugs or taking these drugs, giving them an opportunity to kick them as opposed to giving them an opportunity to do it somewhere safer. It just doesn't seem to be the right move for me. Um, teachers, uh, what are the best states for teacher pay? How, what are the quality of education in those states? We're going to talk about how do you get and retain good teachers. All that's coming up here in just a couple of moments. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. 
Hey, thanks for being here. Um, the topic of education is one we talk about quite a bit, but there is an analysis, the best states, uh, best paying states for teacher pay in an analysis. Um, and uh, it says they found that South Dakota, Vermont, California increased teacher salaries. Washington state uh, teacher pay increased nearly 23 percent. Um, and it goes through a list of the American states that pay the most. Pennsylvania pays the most. California second. New York, Rhode Island, Connecticut. Hawaii is number six on the list. Um, and then it goes on from there and and correlate that with education rankings. And it isn't necessarily the same thing. But Arizona, when it comes to education in this, I think there's 46th in the country as far as quality of education goes. And before before we go any further with the discussion of what we do about that, I think we have to acknowledge that all of us collectively would say that's not good enough. Where Arizona ranks so high in a lot of the economic demographics that are happening now with wage increases and job increases and quality of life and things of that nature, we have gotten gold stars. We still are lagging when it comes to education. And I do think that part of it is teacher pay, but there has to be some accountability that goes with it. I've said for such a long time that it is about making more money. For everybody, it is. Um, one of the ways that you are shown as a valued employee when it comes time for your review or whatever it is that the that your bosses offer you an increase in wages. You're doing a good job. We want to increase your wages to show you how, how happy we are with the work you've been doing. And that's the way it goes. But there also is accountability in the other direction, which is if you are not doing the job, you are giving an opportunity, uh, given an opportunity at some remedial training or whatever is necessary so that you can become the quality employee that the company wants and that you probably want to be. And if you don't make the grade, then you lose your job. I don't think that that has ever been more important than it is in education. We talk about it in police work, and I think it's a fair comparison in, in this regard. Both jobs are equally as important with equally disastrous results if not done right, just different d- kinds of disasters or different kinds of success, that when you have a good quality police officer, it makes the city or the town or the county safer, state safer, um, it makes it easier for the community. The community relations part of it is very good, and people just feel better about good quality law enforcement. Nobody hates a bad cop more than a good cop because it makes everybody's job more difficult. So let's transfer that to our conversation I've had quite a bit about teaching. When we've aired the audio from videos of teachers saying outrageous things and and talking overtly about uh, you know political indoctrination in their classroom, that makes good teachers cringe because good teachers largely do not care about politics. That doesn't mean they don't have their own political leanings, opinions, and it's not that they're not voters. They're all of those, but they don't bring them into the classroom. The idea of becoming a teacher is I want to take a child at the beginning of a school year and see real educational growth by the end of the school year. I want to be able to report to the parents that your child has grown this year. Their reading skills have improved. Their math skills have improved. Whatever area it is that you teach, that's the vast majority of teachers. Just like the vast majority of police officers want to not to violate people's rights, to protect people's rights, to stand in the gap between good and evil. That's why I am such a champion for law enforcement. Just like it is unfair to demonize all teachers when one teacher does something horrible, uh, I think it's the same way in law enforcement. At the same time, one of the ways that we have improved and are improving policing 
is through oversight and accountability. That when a police officer is not meeting the grade, that police officer is held accountable, first at the squad level or or at the district level or at the precinct level, and then on up the chain, up to and including sometimes a loss of your job. There are people um, that have wanted to be police officers. They've gone through the police academy. They get hired on with a police agency. They're going through what they call FTO or their field training officers, and they just don't make it. Not for them. And they're told, this is not for you, at least not with this agency. And they don't get the job. They don't keep the job. We need to have the same kind of accountability with teachers. I'm in favor of more teacher pay. Believe me, I would love to say that Arizona is one of the highest paid states for teachers. But if there isn't accountability, and I don't mean within the district – And the politics of what goes on, I mean real oversight. If we have created a a separate agency, the Office of Accountability and Transparency with the Phoenix Police Department, where nobody inside that agency is a police officer or is related to a police officer, and their job is to judge the behavior of police officers, and we've spent millions of dollars on this agency – Why wouldn't we do the same thing with teachers? Well, the criticism is you don't know what it's like to be in the classroom. Well, you don't know what it's like to be on the streets. Well, you know what we're going to do? We will consult with police officers and former police officers when we think it's necessary. Wouldn't the same thing go for an office of accountability and transparency in education? Where when you have teachers where there are complaints, because you can file a complaint against a cop and it goes sometimes in that that officer or deputy or trooper's permanent file if they found made a mistake. If they treat somebody poorly, if they don't handle a case right, if they don't do an investigation, if they're found to be um, uh, sloppy in their paperwork, you know, those things, those kind of uh, things go on their record. If they do the wrong thing, if they they use uh, too much force, there's a lot of retraining that goes in. It goes into their permanent file. But there is accountability for not being at the highest standard. Why wouldn't we do the same thing in education? Why wouldn't we in education say, if you are a good teacher, we will fight like crazy to get you more money? Because you are educating children, and it's one of the most important jobs we have in our society. But if you're not making the grade, whether it's um, a lack of desire, lack of concern, or lack of ability, if you're not doing the job, you have to be given an opportunity to do the job correctly, or you have to be gone. Because this job is way too important to let mediocrity be the level that we accept. So isn't it a two-way street when we talk about education? That we want to pay good teachers more money because we want to keep them. I think that should be a standard for everyone. If you want to get and retain good people, you have to pay them. I'm a capitalist. But at the same time, just like in law enforcement, it's critically important to have oversight and have um, people that watch over to make sure you're doing their job. And complaints are taken seriously. And complaints, uh, you know, sometimes it ends badly for a police officer when a complaint is filed. Why shouldn't it be exactly the same way in, in the teaching community?
talk more about this as the show goes on, but I just think it's uh, food for thought. If we want excellence in education, we have to ex- expect excellence from our educators, and we have to pay them as if they're excellent educators. I think it's a fair trade-off. How do we get there? That's the question. How do we get there? Had a great event on Saturday with St. Mary's Food Bank, and there's a story about one government organization giving grants to food banks in Arizona for uh, food insecurity, and we're going to talk about a story that's unbelievable about a young woman trying to help a homeless person get a meal. We'll talk about it next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time with the show. Uh, a big thank you to, to the people from the Action Alliance that showed up on Saturday out at St. Mary's Food Bank. And to all of you last week that jumped on board with St. Mary's and their shortage of volunteers because they have things going on all week long. Uh, reach out, whether it's United Food Bank, St. Mary's Food Bank, St. Vincent de Paul, or the other great organizations around the valley there is a huge need right now there is food insecurity everywhere choose an organization that you believe in and you've got your money your talent and your time to be given to this world and now would be a time to step up uh, if we can if you're able if you're not able to donate money because your budget is tight as well maybe you can donate some time and pack some of these boxes we were down there on saturday uh, julia was the superstar of the show on saturday um julie let me get your impression that was your first time there was wasn't it? Yeah, it was my first time there. And what did you think? What did you think of it? Did you think it was pretty amazing? Did you do? Were you impressed by? I've always been impressed by by St. Mary's Food Bank and their efficiency. Yeah, I thought it was awesome. I loved going. I loved meeting everybody with Broomhead Action Alliance, and they had everything under wraps. They knew where to go. There were tons of people there, and you could see from the assembly line to what we did packing boxes was everything was just under wraps in two hours. I think our group did 18 boxes eventually. It was awesome. And what you guys were doing was sorting the bread and making sure it was fresh and putting in these huge bins. Not only were you putting them in the bins, but you guys were building the bins. Yeah, it was really important. I mean, the, the bins were ginormous. They were octagonal shaped. Yeah. Um, and you had to make sure that you were lining the bread so that uh, some of the products wouldn't get squished, right? So yeah. we had a system putting the, like, some of the boxier stuff on the bottom um, and just making sure that they were filled to the brim. Yeah, it was cool. And, and thank you again. Uh, Julia is such an asset and got to meet everybody on Saturday. But it's nice to be with someone that's being exposed to the operation for the first time. I'm, I'm saying this again to set this up. Uh, AmeriCorps is uh, a federal agency that has given uh, $180,000 dollars to support 33 on-the-ground volunteers that will serve food at food banks across Arizona in hopes of reducing food insecurity. Um, the idea that the government is going to do it, and this is my, again, I'm a small government person for reasons, and the reason is efficiency. When you go down to a place, and I'm just using St. Mary's because that's the most recent one, but I could be saying this about United Food Bank or St. Vincent de Paul, the ones I'm so familiar with, and so many other great places that you can volunteer. Um, and I'm going to bring you a list of more of them because I don't want to leave any of these great organizations out in the cold when I talk about them. But um, when you look at the efficiency, not just with what they do with your money. When you donate to St. Mary's Food Bank, they buy seven meals for a dollar. That is huge efficiency of the dollars you donate. But when you donate your time, 
So much work gets done in that two-hour shift, and there were there were a huge number of people, organizations that were there. I think Amazon was there. Um, maybe was it Intel? There were a couple of other organizations that were represented there. That they show up and they do community service for the companies that they work for, and their employees come down as a group. And we were kind of uh, sectioned off into different jobs around uh, St. Mary's on Saturday. And the efficiency is because it's so well planned out for you that when you show up. You hit the ground running, and when you're done, you're looking at a huge accomplishment. And I love that efficiency. So the idea that these uh, this government organization or entity is going to give money to the organizations that are doing it the right way and doing it the efficient way, to me, is the best way that this could possibly work with government involvement. Um, when you look at these organizations that need it. There's a story that I, I want to get to before we close this out. This happened in Georgia at a uh, – I think it was at a Popeye's chicken. Um, and uh, this woman, uh, her name is Joe, Joe Ortega, a student at Georgia State University, was picking up an order for DoorDash at a Popeye's. And there was a homeless guy that was asking for food. So she wanted to purchase a two-piece meal for this homeless man. And the employees at Popeye's at the drive-thru window said, no, we're not going to sell you the food. It got to the point where they called the police. Now, this girl was not incarcerated for it. She wasn't arrested. Um, but the idea that that homelessness is an issue, we understand it. If you drive around Phoenix, homelessness can be an issue. I don't think that store owners or people should have to um, be kind of bombarded with that. I understand it. But when someone is when you're, someone is kind enough to buy a human being a meal and they're told no by the restaurant, no, we're not selling you the food. Basically, it's the it's such a horrible analogy. But it's the stray cat analogy where if you feed it, it's going to keep coming. Well, the need's not going away. Uh, The need is not going away. And we have to figure something out. And I would say that serving the needs of the food banks who are so efficient and they have their ears to the ground of this problem, that they are the ones that have their uh, – they're, they're, they're in it every single day. They understand how best to affect that change. I think that's the way that we are going to make a big dent in this when it's possible. The money from the government coming back and being donated, I think, is and saying to them, you're the best at doing this. Take this resource and use it to the best of your ability. The efficiency they're going to get from that money, I think, is going to do a big, big thing. So a big thank you again to people that showed up on such short notice for Saturday. But don't stop volunteering. Go to one of these organizations. Find one and keep the volunteering up. They need it throughout this time. Just after 10 o'clock, we're going to talk back more about the economy um, and more serious issues in our economy. So all that's coming up here in a few minutes. So I hope you'll stick around for it.